0: Good morning, everyone. And we greet you in Jesus' name. I invite you to open your Bible to Mark 11. Mark 11 begins with uh, the triumphal entry in the first 11 verses. In verse 11, he, Jesus enters the temple and looks around, and it's already late in the day, so he and his disciples went out to Bethany for the night, and the next morning, he is and the twelve are coming into Jerusalem, and that's where we want to start reading at, at verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not a season for faith. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. Now in the next few verses, uh, we have the cleansing of of the temple by Jesus, and then the day ended and He left the city again. And then verse 20 picks up the next morning when Jesus and His disciples were coming back into Jerusalem, following the same path that they had traveled the day before. So we'll read again in verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever, thing, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, this tells us that Jesus was hungry. We know that some nights He spent the whole night in prayer. We know that some nights He went out early, very early, and prayed. Maybe he hadn't had breakfast. We don't know. But he was hungry. And he saw the fig tree with leaves. And he was expecting fruit. He "Fruit for fruit. And there was none. And he said, let no more fruit be eaten from you again. Never produce fruit again. Now Matthew Matthew's account is a little bit different. Matthew gives fewer details, and he has the fig tree withering immediately, according to the way the New King James says it. And directly following, he uh, he includes the lesson. And maybe something something must have happened instantly. Uh, maybe the leaves shriveled a little bit. Maybe they turned a different unhealthy shame that the disciples noticed. But something happened. But comparing with Mark, it looks like the tree wasn't completely dead until the next day when they came by. The uh, Jewish Christian scholar, Bible scholar, Eiderstein, says that normally that the uh, fruit appears before the leaves do, And so, if you would see leaves on a fig tree, even if it was out of season, one would assume that there was fruit there. This curse, I would mention, is not profanity like we think of cursing today, but of judgment. And Jesus wasn't, Frustrated and angry in a petty way here. He had a purpose in what he was doing to make this a teaching moment, to make this an object lesson for his disciples. And there are two lessons one that we can think about, one that he was taught, and the other that we can. Uh, we can notice as we think about it that Jesus was looking for fruit from this tree. And Jesus was looking for fruit from Israel. God had looked for fruit from Israel and was disappointed. God expects fruit from Christians and sometimes it is disappointed. But God looks for fruit in His people and we can keep that in mind. But the main lesson here and the lesson that Jesus emphasized is the effectiveness of believing prayer. The effectiveness of believing prayer. And we notice in those verses, Jesus said, Have faith in God. And whoever does not doubt in his heart, but believe and believe that he repeats he's talking about faith, about confidence in God. Why do people pray? Most people pray because they're in trouble. They need something. And for some of them, they, it's it's a very desperate need. So they pray. Uh, you've heard the uh, expression, there are no atheists in fossils. So somebody who thought he was an atheist uh, in, in time of war and battle, uh, maybe would cry out to God when in ordinary life. He would never think of praying, is the uh, thought behind that. Christian prayer includes worship, praise, gratitude, and supplication, cry for help, petition for need. And it is important that we not neglect worship and praise and gratitude. Counting our blessings and praising and thanking God helps our perspective when we look at the needs we have. And it honors God who is worthy. But this morning, I'm thinking particularly of praying uh, for need, petitions to God. And the request given in the example that Jesus gave, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. So, that's not a request that most of us would identify with, probably, uh, quickly. But we can agree that if moving a mountain is important for some reason, this is a big problem. Some scholars think that Jesus may have been referring to the Temple Mount, which uh, the prophecy in the Old Testament about it being split and divided, and uh, maybe that's what it is. Another interpretation is that this is just a, what was then a common Jewish proverb to represent obstacles. Uh, difficulty, perplexing difficulties, similar, and, and that it would be used similar to uh, how we say somebody's making a mountain out of a molehill. They're not literally making a mountain out of a molehill. And that in this proverb, that it's not necessarily that there's a mountain they need to get physically moved into the sea, but that there's some big obstacle, some big difficulty, some perplexing problem that is not easily fixed, and there were there was a term for uh, especially wise rabbis, uprooters of mountains that was used. Uh, in those days, someone who had the ability to, uh, who was wise and could give wise counsel about how to deal with a difficult problem. So that view of um, the mountain problem in these verses is the uh, one that rings a bell with me. It seems more practical for where I live most of the time. Dealing with perplexing problems of life. That's where most of us live. The impossible looking difficulties. The painful trials and suffering. The losses. The grief. Uh, Just is fast as Tuesday in uh, Pennsylvania, it was a young couple, Daryl and Larissa, and they had one son, seven-year-old son Adam. And Tuesday, uh, Larissa and Adam drowned in a in an accident. Drowning, they drowned in a in a creek. And the way I heard the story, that Larissa was traveling with her sisters and mother and some of their children to a cabin where they were going to spend a few days, and they stopped along the way to get from the creek. And this was, a, this was probably as wide as the center, maybe a little wider, and apparently there were shallow areas and suddenly deep places and little young atoms strayed into deep water without realizing it. and began to struggle. And two of the family tried to help him, but he was pulling them down and they were, uh, weren't were able to stay up themselves and they turned loose of him. And then the mom grabbed him and tried to help and she, she did not let go. And which you would expect of a mother, of a mother's heart. So they both drowned. She was pulled out about 15 minutes later and they took her to the hospital where she was Mm pronounced dead. And Adam, they found, about an hour later. And the funerals are tomorrow. But there are so many. So many sorrows and griefs and so much suffering, and so many kinds of losses. And we've all experienced things like that, and some of you are living with those things right now and know exactly what this is. Christian prayer is not superstitious. It is not magic. The pagans sometimes would borrow prayers and gods from other religions and pray to them just in case, you know, it would make a difference. The Athenians prayed to the unknown god. Paul called attention to that just in case they missed one. The Tibetan Buddhists have prayer wheels. An interesting way to pray where they have revolving cylinders that have prayers on papers inside of them, or sometimes written on the outside of the wheel, the cylinder, and then these spin in the wind. And and it's just as effective as praying yourself out loud. Uh, that as you see yes. that uh, prayers are being offered, sounds kind of superstitious. Doesn't it? Professing Christians sometimes pray in a superstitious way, as though saying the right words the right way, like some incantation, will be effective, and their confidence is uh, maybe more in prayer than it is in God. But Christian prayer is talking to the one, the one true and living God, the creator of all things, the whole universe. And Christian prayer, effective Christian prayer, is praying in faith, believing does not doubt in his heart, but believes, Jesus says. It's not faith in prayer, in saying something, but it is faith in God to whom we pray. And we pray, we can pray in faith and confidence because of who God is. God is holy, He is loving, He is wise, He is powerful, and He hears us. He hears prayers. 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Quoted from the Old Testament. Psalm 65, 2. O you who hear prayer, to you all blessed will come. I think the King James says, O thou who hearest prayer. Psalm 145, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. So when Christians pray their prayers don't just float into the air and get whipped away and disappear. Like the balloon launch. The balloon launches that we have here, they're interesting to watch. Those colorful balloons rising up into the air and they get up to a certain altitude, not very high, and the wind begins to catch them and take them away and you know, they don't go very high until they begin starting to... They lose their their uh, helium and they begin to come down. Or they go high enough that they pop. There's enough um, pressure that they stretch and pop. And so, scraps were found in fields and pastures and sidewalks. They didn't get... Very high or very far. That's not the way our prayers do. In Revelation 8, uh, verses 3 and 4, speaks of an angel with a golden censer standing at the altar. And he was given incense that he should offer with the prayers of all the saints. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels to Prayers rising to God. She reminds me of a little uh, article that uh, Rosemary Steiner wrote telling about a flight she took somewhere early in the morning from North Carolina somewhere. And they were still gaining altitude and they were going across uh, a rural area and every once in a while it was in the winter, and every little bit it seemed like there was smoke going up from chimneys. A quiet morning. Smoke going up from chimneys. And she he had to think about the prayers of the saints. Rising up to God. God hears them. They get there. So that's one One wonderful thing. And He cares about us. He cares about what He hears. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him. For He cares for you. And we do that with our prayers, casting all your care upon him. For he cares. He cares about us. Now, if God, Jesus said in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And in Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Wanda brought a friend of hers to her at church. Uh, I think it was the somebody that uh, Wayne uh, shot was here. Uh, And this friend is a compassionate lady who cares about people and and creatures. And with her, she had brought to church that morning a little sparrow, or some kind of little bird. Maybe it wasn't a sparrow. It was a little bird anyway, a little young thing that had fallen out of its nest, and she had compassion. On that little bird and rescued it. She did some research and found out, uh, found a recipe for uh, fixing up some food for this little bird that would be nutritious. And she fixed this food and she took it with her and fed it. And she had it with her here that morning at church because it needed lunch at 12 o'clock. And so he said it back there in the back of um, the gym. And God cares about birds. And He cares about us. And He cares about what we are burdened about. But you know, sympathy is one thing. Uh, that's wonderful. We all feel better when somebody sympathizes But when they're able to help us, that means a lot more, doesn't it? And God is able. God is able to do something. And sometimes sympathy does a lot. But if it comes from someone who isn't able to do anything, that's where it stops. But God is able. O Lord God of our fathers, are You not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Now to him, we're familiar with this one, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Time is quickly going away. And then I want to point out that God works in our behalf. Call upon Me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify Me. Isaiah 65, 24, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they're still speaking, I will hear Every one of you could tell a story about how God has helped you. Maybe with a small thing, maybe with a big thing that just really uh, warmed your heart. I had a little story here, but I think I'll jump over It was just about a time I was coming back from uh, with my bride. And I think Howard was with us. And we were coming back from uh, moving back from Ontario to this community and coming into a little town uh, outside of Chicago. A car broke down. And what am I going to do? How unhandy. I'm not very mechanically inclined. And I was a little apprehensive about coming home anyway. Here I am telling the story. And um, I was a little apprehensive about um, just being the head of a household uh, here in the real world, you know, being on a mission field for four years and a half or so and and didn't worry about things like that. I didn't wasn't experienced with things like that. So I had a number of little apprehensions. And then then this problem comes up. Well, we parked in a vacant lot that they were dumping fill uh, into, and a dump truck was just there unloading a load. And I asked the guy whether he knew of a garage nearby. Well, yeah. So hop in. So went down the road less than a mile to a garage. And this guy was super helpful, and he came back with a wrecker, and we hooked up, and we were all piled into the front seat of that wrecker, and went back to his garage, and before very long, he had the car going again, and he warned us, don't leave any valuables in that back seat, because going through Chicago, there's people there that will follow you for miles, looking for a uh, chance to rip you off. And just very nice. I felt very encouraged. And uh, ready to come home. God is wonderful. He hears our prayers. He cares about us. He's able to do something, He does work on our behalf. Well, who are we that pray? Are there any qualifications? Are there any requirements for our prayers to be effective? Yes, there are. And one that we've noticed already is faith. Uh, we have to have faith. We noticed several times in that passage where he called out faith and how necessary it is. And we know numerous times in the Gospel that Jesus cited his disciples, "O ye of little faith." And I'm in that category often. Jesus, uh, God in the scriptures, the epistles. When we ask in faith with nothing doubting for wisdom. That's a qualification. That's necessary. When we ask for wisdom from God in James 1, we're to ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea and tossed further wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And in James 5, in the uh, anointing passage from verses 13-18, the prayer of faith he refers to. It. The prayer of faith will save his faith. The prayers of faith, of believing, spring from a life of faith from one who lives by faith. Paul wrote, the just shall live by faith. That's said a number of times in the Old Testament, and I think he was quoting that. Uh, In Romans and Galatians, and other places, the just shall live by faith. And Paul lived by faith himself. Galatians 2.20, he describes it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So how does that work out? Well, I think it leads us to a second qualification that is necessary for effective prayer, and that is righteousness. James 5, verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He not only believes and trusts in a wonderful God who hears and cares and is able to do beyond what we can imagine or think, He not only has his sins forgiven, but he obeys God. He believes that that God's promises are trustworthy, and he believes that God's commandments are for our good, and we are blessed and protected when we keep them. The righteous follow Christ. In 1 John three twenty two and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. In John 15, uh, the vine and the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The Word in us influences us and guides us and renews our minds and changes us.
1: And, uh,
0: you know, he followed that scripture about faith and asking from Mark 11. And he says in verse 25, we read, And whenever you stand praying." If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven heaven, may also forgive your trespasses. So that works into righteousness and righteousness in relationships. And in Genesis 5, 16, the effective servant prayer verse, The first part of that verse says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayers of the selfish are unproductive and limited and largely ineffective. But the believing prayer of righteous people is very effective. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. avails must. The Amplified says it this way The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. The English Standard Version says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. New American Standard, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Uh, The New Living Translation says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So what mountains do we face? What great perplexing obstacles are we dealing with? Well, I think that high on our list is ourselves and who we are and who we are becoming. So, you know, praying for faith is a good prayer request. Help thou mine unbelief. And the father of uh, the demon possessed boy for prayer, praying for victory over besetting sin, set. for wisdom, uh, for godly guidance and godly character to choose God's way for the Holy Spirit, the uh, the beautiful and. Think is not passage. In Luke 11. it ends, If me then being evil, it's familiar to us, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? For fruitfulness and if we pray for the Holy Spirit. then we will be fruitful. And then we can pray for our circumstances, the things that we're facing, all the trials and difficulties that we respond to, which affects who we are and what we are becoming. Sometimes our mountains are our attitudes about the things in life that we're facing. We can pray for solutions to that. We can pray for answers that will make life uh, better uh, for us or how we see it being better. We can pray that thorns in the flesh be removed. Paul did. We know he prayed three times for that thorn in the flesh to be removed. But we need to with that pray, like Paul did, with a willingness to accept what God's purpose was for him. All those things affect us, and, and then there's intercessory prayer and praying for others and the circumstances that they face and the needs that they have. And we pray for the church. We pray this morning for um, next Sunday's service. We know our own needs and we know the needs from the center of our people and our group, and we can pray with confidence. Will we get what we ask? We're out of time here basically, but uh, you know that, some commentary is trying to qualify and explain and minimize that (laughs) promise that he became that we looked at Mark 11 and other places to avoid over and disappointing earnest people and maybe their own expectations. And we don't want to encourage a prosperity gospel and name it and claim it. But neither do we want to underestimate what God would do if we would pray. We can fall into the category that James warned about: you have not, because you ask not. And the will of God and the purposes of God fit into all of this. And God's, will, God's, uh, uh, the choices that He gives other people, and the will of other people when we intercede for them—that all fits in there, also. But in the things that we know God's will about, those character changing things that God would want to work in us, we can pray with confidence that He will work. Many things we don't know really what all God had in mind. Paul didn't know what God had in mind for that form in the flesh. But we can always pray for grace even in those things that we don't understand. We can pray for grace. We can pray for God's will. We can pray for God's purposes, for God's glory. And I've heard people in in desperate situations praying from hearts of surrender and God did. God will give grace. We don't demand. We don't order God around because of who we are. That's not faith. That's dishonor. He is God after all. So we've, we've uh, looked this morning at the teaching of Christ. The promise of Christ. We've talked about who God is and that He is worthy of our worship and He is a God we can trust. He hears our prayers. He cares about our needs. He is able. He is powerful. And He works in our behalf. And we can pray to Him with great effect if we pray in faith, if we pray from a position of righteousness, not perfection, but sin forgiven and committed to following Jesus and serving Him, and we ask and we receive. So I'm challenged to pray more. I will encourage us Pray more. Pray, believing. Pray in faith, and watch what God does, and praise Him for what God does. Shall we?